2017, and we are back at the Neverending Glory College Football Podcast. Matt Moller, along with Farky, with Shill, and Sean Z. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. And Sean, happy birthday. Oh, yeah. What's up, y'all? Old as hell. That's right. Still a coxman, though. (laughs) And still humble. (laughs) Yeah. Let's dive in, fellas. Let's not waste any time. Let's talk about these uh, college football playoff semifinal games. We'll we'll dive into uh, the semifinal games. We'll get to a couple other bowl games that were of note. And then we'll talk national title game, of course. But uh, let's start with the Ohio State Buckeyes. And uh, I'm going to start with you, Jay. I know you couldn't have been happy watching that game on New Year's Eve. Just uh, give me your general feelings after that complete goose egg that the Buckeyes put up there on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, this is the only. This is really the only deterrent from doing this pod tonight. To be honest with you, is having to relive this. But the only the silver lining was that I was at a wedding. So it just happened to uh, start the reception about midway through the second quarter. So after after that, it was more just trying to catch what you could on phones and, and iPads and things of that nature. But oh, what a what a tough game! I, after at halftime, I pretty much felt like the Buckeyes were out of it. To be honest with you, and then the fumble to start the half was just. For me, it was kind of like, wow, this game's over. Big names showed up for Clemson. You know, Bullware, Williams, uh, Watson, those guys all stepped up. Those two field goals Buckeyes missed at the beginning of the game just kind of seemed like it, it set momentum for Clemson. And from there, it just kind of snowballed. So that's really my only take on it. I, I hope we uh, I hope we as Buckeye fans can see a difference in play calling next year with hopefully a new offensive coordinator coming in and and uh, they, they figure something out drastically different to do at the quarterback position. So you guys got Yeah, it. I, that's my takeaways. We can talk about play calling and everything else, but I also see a quarterback that is unable to execute and possibly receivers that uh, don't seem skilled enough to be able to get open. Um, I don't know, a lot of variables that got to change pretty drastically to have that, that offense ready for, for national title contender next year, you got to think. So. You know, Urban's going to earn his salary over the offseason with some of these hires and, and getting some of the offensive system readjusted. And their offensive line was dominated up front, too, pretty badly by Clemson's front four. I mean, they had issues at pretty much every level of the offense on Saturday. Since I'm the one that made the point before the game started, uh, that's a great job by me, uh, that Clemson's front four were getting enough pressure, Bowler, Spies, JT Barrett, and then forcing him to throw the ball was just... Man, what the hell are you talking about? I was the one that said that last time. I, I was given the five stars all the defensive linemen they had. You piggybacked my point. I I led off the discussion, if you remember correctly. Man, no one listens to you. They wait for the real talent to come through. <laughs> Humble as ever. 35 years old. Great. Well, you know. But they ate. Whether it was show or whether it was me, those, those dudes ate. It was known they were going to eat. I, I mean, it was all about matchups, and that that in the trenches, they absolutely dominated Ohio State, and they were able to run the ball on Ohio State's front seven, which I don't know that we fully expected them to dominate as much as they did offensively versus Ohio State's defense. Well, the funny thing that's at least given me a bit of a exaggerated giggle the last couple of days is how bad is the timing of, of JT Barrett announcing he's coming back? That's one of those right now where when people, at least me, read that, it's like, ugh, okay, yay. Well, it's also like, oh, good. Was he going to go to the NFL? Because he put on a great display on Saturday. Like, what, what, of, course, of course he's coming back. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, I don't know where he thought he was going. 
Ohio State guys here, help me out. I mean, they have to open up the quarterback competition, but I know Urban is enamored with JT's leadership and he's loyal to Ohio State and all this and that, but he's got to pull the trigger on a quarterback change here, doesn't he? uh, What is the second game of the season? Oklahoma's in town? I think you'd get a pretty good read early in the year. Yeah, I, he he better he better practice those guys through spring and, and through early workouts as closely as possible. So to Sean's point, if he even needed to make an adjustment by halftime, if things went if things went kind of just soft, get week one, and then you know things really got kind of ugly first half of Oklahoma, he it would give it actually would give Urban Meyer an out to make a change. The only other comment I'd make on this game is is I think it was what the third third week in a row, third game in a row that. Weber had single-digit carries. I mean, that's that's part of the problem too. And this this misdirection off tackle crap with with Barrett week after week. I mean, let's be honest, it, it wasn't going to be sustainable. They, I know they have limited practice time and everything, but I I still don't understand how some of these teams just can't have some place from from the eye or or from like a more traditional offensive look. I, even just to change up a little bit occasionally, I think it would be refreshing and, and kind of play downhill a little bit more. Agreed. Earlier in the day, semifinal number one was obviously between Alabama and Washington. The Crimson Tide won that game 24-7. to Washington got the kickoff, went right down the field, scored, took a 7 nothing lead, and we thought, okay, this might be a ball game. But they did absolutely zero the rest of the game against Alabama's defense, really didn't even threaten the rest of the game. And it turned into a pretty boring contest by the second half. Schillig, what did you see from uh, Alabama and Washington in that first semifinal? Anything of note there for you? I mean, I pretty much fell asleep in the middle of the third quarter. I don't know about you guys, but uh, that game was brutal. Washington never had a chance at the first drive. And as we'll talk about when we talk about the national championship game, I think Lane Kiffin being gone actually benefits Alabama. Why Scarborough didn't get, I don't know. 25 carries that game was just mind-blowing. The only reason Washington stayed somewhat within two touchdowns is because he still tried to get cute. Uh, Kiffin did and tried to have Hurts throw it down the field when obviously he, he was he's completely overmatched and showed himself as a freshman quarterback. So I know we'll dive into that in a little bit, but yet again, Alabama's defense is one of the best ever and scored another defensive touchdown. I believe they have 15 on the year, so... I'm sure we'll get into that when we talk about the That's a, game. That is absurd. That is a crazy statistic. Um, just from a, a minor correction, was it actually the first drive? or I thought it was like both three and outs and then the second drive. Uh, you could be right. I thought it was the first yeah, drive. The second yeah, drive. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I was At that right. point, I, I tweeted out to the group, I still came away impressed with Washington. If they don't turn the ball over, like, they kept it close. Like, if you just said you're going to give up a, a defensive touchdown to Alabama and, and they're going to be at 24, Washington's thinking they've got a chance to compete there. They just yeah. kind of couldn't get anything consistently going after after that second drive. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then when they did, they had one. I think they had one bust out and then the running back fumbled. Yeah, he fumbled around midfield. Obviously, that pick six was huge. If it's 10-7 at halftime, it's a lot different game than 17-7. And by that point, you, you think it's over because it, I didn't think Washington had two more touchdowns on Well, that, that touchdown drive that you spoke of was, was a 64-yard drive that they scored on, and they ended the game with 194 yards of offense. So outside of that drive, they had 130 yards of offense for the, for the whole game. Well, yeah, and starting in the second quarter, they had what? I, 
think the stat was seven straight possessions of of um, not three and outs, but uh, drives ended like seven possessions for thirty nine yards or something like that after the second quarter. That's insane. Jalen Hurts seven of fourteen for fifty seven yards in the game. We mentioned Lane Kiffin. Obviously, if you have been under a rock for the last week and you didn't hear the news, Lane Kiffin has been, well, I don't know if he's been relieved of his duties or he just mutually agreed with Nick Saban that it was time for him to move on to Florida Atlantic and leave. Steve Sarkeesian is now taking over as offensive coordinator, calling the plays for the national championship game. I know what you're saying, Shell, about the you know Kiffin getting too cute with the play calling. And obviously Sarkeesian's been around, so it's not like it's just a totally random new guy that's coming in. But I don't see it still as a good sign that they've had to make a change before the last game of the year at offensive coordinator, and now they have somebody calling the plays that hasn't done it all year. I, I can agree with that because I, I can see that being a got to be in a rhythm as a play caller, and he's coming in cold in the biggest game of the year. So yeah, I can see your point there. Yeah, but think about how easy this this is probably for Saban and for for Sarkeesian. He's been there for the last month, from what I understand. I guarantee all he has said to him is run the ball between the tackles the entire game. That's it, or you're fired. Well, so We'll see. Right. Go from a womanizer to a drunk. That's the only take that I got. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about Alabama when we talk about the national championship game. Um, but there were a couple other bowl games of note that I want to bring up. Um, one of them was – the Orange Bowl, which was on December 30th, so the night before the playoff games, and the, this turned out to be uh, an incredible finish between Florida State and Michigan. The first half was all Florida State. Michigan, we found out before the game, was playing without Jabril Peppers. Jake Butt was injured in the uh, in the first half as well. So things didn't look good for Michigan, down two touchdowns at halftime. But they came back and made it a game in the second half, even took the lead late. Florida State rallies to win 33-32. to Sean, I know you run pins and needles during this one. It was a hell of a win for your Knowles. What'd you see? I, I saw a fantastic defense without four safeties, their top four safeties, and were able to hold on. Disappointing to see the butt injury, obviously, and Dalvin Cook just doing Dalvin Cook things. Uh, Francois did not have a good game really until the last series, uh, and then made a few throws there. That Miss Michigan defense was. Easily the best defense that Florida State played all season. Um, but I, I'll say this. It seemed like maybe it's the homer in me, but the last five or six games, Florida State probably a top five team in the country. Like that one. And that's without, you know, at least two of their starting safeties, uh, but also the third and fourth guy. To be doing that and win that game uh, as ravaged as they were on the offensive line and in, in the secondary and being playing so many true freshmen – uh, it's a testament to how the, the team rallied and was resilient through the year. And Dalvin Cook just finishes an absolutely phenomenal career. Um, it was nice that the, the country kind of saw that game and realized, oops, we should have had this guy in New York and uh, rather than 10th in the Heisman voting, as, as I've railed about in previous pods. So obviously excited, ready to close out our solid recruiting class for all the, by all accounts and uh, get ready for Alabama Labor Day weekend next year. Yeah, to your point there, Cook ended up with 145 yards rushing. He added 62 receiving. Francois just 9 of 27 in the game, so yeah, an off night for him for sure. But as we had talked about before the game, Florida State's defense really stifled Michigan. Michigan was uh, just over 250 yards of total offense for the game. Didn't really get anything going until late in that game when they kind of rallied. 
Shilly, your thoughts on this game? Nothing really to add. I mean, we, we talked about a nauseam. I think that was a consensus pick for us and it very was. consensus for Farkey as he uh, spoke eloquently that night. Yeah, um, Jay, did you, end up, did you end up throwing five large on that game? I did, and I still probably didn't cover my losses for the other bowl games. So uh, I'll let you <laughs> finish. So my comment was going to be that uh, I will also take credit from last week for emphatically loving this game, although it didn't uh, mirror most of my other picks in bowl games. But in terms of the game itself, I I, I echo everything Sean said about Cook. That was my my biggest point I wanted to make is that it was it was nice to see him really shine and and you know turn the heads of some people for everything the naysayers kind of gave him prior to the, the game and all the awards leading up to it. But um, really just for me, FSU got out of the gates early, uh, that huge first quarter yardage wise and, and again, setting the tone and then um, just really threw a lot of punches at Michigan there at the end of the game when Michigan was trying to, trying to rage their comeback. But overall, I thought FSU was going to win. I, I think they uh, are probably the team maybe other than USC that, um, really uh, kind of picked up momentum throughout the season as maybe people got a little bit healthier, but I think uh, the talent was there all year. They just needed to put it all together. Good win. Yeah, speaking of speaking of picks, I should point out that that game was one of our three consensus winners of the entire bowl season. <laughs> we finished we finished three seven and one in consensus picks. By the way, nice we- job, nice job by me winning the surf and turf challenge this year, boys, with a stellar. 108, 112, and 4 record. I ended up winning the, the contest by five games. Sean, back from the dead to finish second, believe it or not. Damn How about it. that? Damn it. Farky? You got to post that. You got you to gotta tweet out. I, the, I'm wait, yeah, uh, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the last game, and then I'll go ahead and, and post the final results. But, uh, yeah, Sean. I'll mail you a trout and, uh, I don't know, hoof off a cow. Yeah, your surf yeah, yeah unbelievable. I was expecting that, you know, we'd actually, yeah, you know, the four of us sometime actually get together in person instead of actually talking over the phone or, or Skype or whatever. I don't know if that's going to happen. I was just home for five days. I know. I, I get that. But in any Thank event, you. one more thing about the Florida State game. Sean, Dalvin Cook, you're you're an, uh, an NFL draft guy. Where's he going? And what's his draft stock right now? I'll say this. There's Baltimore would terrify me as a Browns fan. I think if he goes later than the teens, I'd be absolutely shocked. Um, I'd be curious to see what he actually runs in the 40 uh, at top end. I'll say this. He, he, unless guys had angles, he didn't really get caught. Um, so it, it's going to be particularly interesting to see how the, the board goes, which teams are kind of looking to, to add a running back. Obviously, Green Bay would, would love him, but I think they're picking too late. And you still have the Fournette factor that's in play, but I think it's it just depends on which team likes either one a little bit better. But you know the Jets are someone that that could potentially be in play. I doubt it, but who knows? It's New York, and they're kind of idiots. I think in the top ten, I'm not sure I'd take a running back. That's just me personally. But these teams are a whole different beast. The one thing that I was disappointed was Pepper's not playing. But maybe even more so annoyed with the narrative that they had throughout the game as if Florida State wasn't without their best defensive player basically all season. And that drove me particularly crazy because it was just completely neglecting that Derwin James is as much of a game breaker or game changer as Jabril Peppers. And that wasn't, you know, a faintest mention throughout the broadcast. I, I like I like Dalvin Cook in the draft wherever Mel Kiper has him. 
I'm not taking I've, that bait right now. I've, I've actually seen a couple couple mocks that happen going to the Jets there, Sean. So, and I don't know if we're going to touch on this, but we think Jake Butt fell in the first round with his injury, or I don't think so. No. I did, he he's an elite talent. He's the best tight end. Him and the kid in and Howard from Alabama. That's the thing about the draft this early, especially with tight ends. It's kind of odd. I've seen Howard anywhere from mid-first round to early second round. I saw a couple with uh, Jake Butt falling to the second round, uh, first pick to the, to the uh, Browns. That would be fitting that we would take I, a I tight end. Say, yeah, we don't really need a tight end. A huge a huge upgrade there for the Browns to get to get him. Good Lord. Jake uh, Butt can't tackle last I checked. Seriously. One other bowl game that we should talk about because it was an epic game. The Rose Bowl on January 2nd between USC and Penn State was a great game to watch. USC ends up winning 52-49. Penn State was actually up two touchdowns late in the third quarter of this game and fell apart in the fourth quarter. USC came back. Sam Darnold, speaking of draft stock, I know he's coming back next year because he has to, but he's probably going pro after next year. And he opened a lot of eyes around the country in this game, putting up the numbers that he did and leading USC back for a win. Really impressed with the performance that he had. I know that uh, he took over and kind of turned USC's season around earlier this year, but I think a lot of people around the country now know who Sam Darnold is and how talented he, this kid is. A shout-out to our, to our good friend Josh Taylor on one of the comments I saw of his on Twitter that I, that I found pretty funny. He said, uh, Sam Darnold better be careful. He's going to find himself in orange and brown. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Hugh said he'd jump in the lake or wherever else he said he'd, he'd jump into if we uh, went 1-15 again. But he didn't say 0-16, so who knows? Anything's in play. My takeaway is I absolutely cannot stand James Franklin. I know that that's just kind of a little bit of a tangent. Ditto. Everything about him on the sidelines, his whining to the official on the Juju Smith catch. Yeah. Um, all of that, just he drives me absolutely insane. I well, just can't take him. They've got a good team next year. I did see Godwin came out today for the draft, but they're they're going to be around because of how they recruit and they're playing in the Big Ten. So they're going to be a top three, four team over the the coming years. But God, I'm going to enjoy hating him. Well, he's the, the annoying part about this particular game was they were getting call after call. And yet he's still whining. I'm like, don't you have some sense as a coach? Like, okay, they're giving me a few calls here. Maybe I should not whine like a little bitch. But he was doing it the whole second half. It was driving me crazy. Come on, chill. Trash him. I know you're geared up. I mean, I can't stand him as it is. But on the hierarchy of coaches, I hate. I, Tom Crean's still up there. Mark Alfred's still up there. But Roy Williams. As Matt said, you have to know as a coach that when you're getting all those calls, it, it, and it was the – it was the first call that went against him, and he's just whining, complaining, marching up the sideline. They were down 14 nothing. He's trying to high-five his team, get him pumped up. I, I just hate his demeanor. It reminds me a lot of Tom Crean, who just keeps pacing and pacing and pacing with his fat head. So Here's the thing. The call they, on, on Schuster Smith was right. Like yeah. He caught that ball. He it was a fantastic catch. Yeah. The play, a couple plays before that where the Penn State lineman recovers the fumble – is a baffling call that they overturned saying USC didn't recover the fumble. He, he All he does is has it pinned there. That's not a full recovery yet. Yeah, it's very, not in like you know, the carry position or anything. And the fact that they awarded that, and he he's kind of like doing his thing on the sideline, it's just so punchable. 
Yeah, it's demeanor for me too. That's the thing with him is I he he just has that look to him, and he did from day one. Where for some reason it just seemed like, oh, I I've earned something, or or, or you're supposed to to think highly of me. Why you you did nothing? It, he I, I saw that interview where supposedly what he used to go around and fill vending machines up around on campus. Like that's how I picture him now. He's he's earned no respect of, of anything. I think of him. I don't know. He he rubs me the wrong way. I tweeted this out a couple days ago, but uh, since we're all hating on Penn State, we think they might be a top three, four team. I think you mean a big 10, Sean. But here's their schedule, end of October, beginning of November. Home against Michigan, at Ohio State, at Michigan State. You can pretty much book that as one and two. So Penn State, congratulations on this year, but I don't see I don't see them doing it again this year. They got a very Wisconsin-like schedule going into next year. Yeah, I did mean top three or four in the big 10, but I, I will say this. Who's they can beat Michigan and what makes Michigan State good? Yeah, I, I agree. With I that. mean, I feel like they're gonna bounce back in that game is after two straight brutal games and they they had East Lansing. So uh, yeah, uh, they got the best running back in the Big Ten. I, they're yeah, a recruiting class the last three or four it, years. It, Saquon Barkley is really there. good. Yeah, he's real good. No quarterback, I think is kind of hit or miss. Yeah, but, I'm not a huge McSorley fan. I know he he uh, had some nice plays in that Rose Bowl game, but. I'm still not sold on him, uh, you know, as a consistent performer. My last take on this game before we move, I just want to say, because since we were talking about Franklin on the flip side, I was happy to see Clay Helton get the win. Like, Pat Hayden caught all kinds of shit for, for that hire, and I think what he start like one in five going into how last year ended. And uh, I don't know, he didn't really have a track record, no top-level winning. People thought it was a boring hire, but the players really seemed to like him, and he, he really seemed to re-energize that program through the yeah, season. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm guilty as one of kind of making fun of the of the hire, but I, I will say this after kind of following USC, and I, I do follow them a little bit closer than a lot of teams because Notre Dame plays him every year, but he does seem like a genuinely nice dude, so um, I, I did enjoy the fact that he had a little success there. Saw a couple. If you're interviews. a nice dude in college coaching. You are a great human being. Maybe in the real world, Correct. because right. yeah. you got some of the scum of the earth, and it was highlighted by that sugar bowl as both coaches were looking across the sidelines at one another, and we had a jackass up in the booth popping off about Joe Mixon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh sometimes uh, we just don't know well enough just to leave things be gone. <laughs> hey, real quick before we move on, I don't I don't follow recruiting quite as much as Sean or maybe you other two, but. I, I did read that they have a ton of seniors in key positions. Dude, what, what's their recruiting classes or, or younger classes like over there? What, Penn State? No, USC. I mean, they're, they're always going to be up in from the West Coast perspective. They're always them, Stanford. Um, Washington's actually picked it up here of late. I think Washington's a sneaky, sneaky or trendy pick next year, too. A little under the radar just because they got beat by Alabama and USC's kind of looked at so glowingly right now. Um, but, you know, the Arizona schools aren't really doing much, and obviously we, we see what we see with the Big 12 schools. Uh, USC will be just fine. They'll have loads and loads of talent. They're never going to have a challenge getting some of the California kids. Sometimes they get the pick of the litter in, in most cases. And they've been able to pull some Florida kids here of late. So USC should be fine um, depth-wise, I think. They got the no, big one no, figured no, out. They they got the can quarterback we, set. Can we expect it, can we expect them to be a top five team next year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do think 
The one concern I would have is their front seven defensively and how deep they are. I mean, they got that kid from Utah, and he basically was their starting and best defensive lineman this year. Um, and I know he's gone because so, he's a grad transfer. So you got to fill some of those holes, no doubt. But history shows the way they recruit. They, they have guys in waiting. Burnett and Darnold could be a scary combination. Yeah, well, Burnett had, went off in the Rose Bowl, but – I mean, I, Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin. Washington is uh, like Sean said, is sneaky. But didn't they? They lost a lot this year. Is is that right? I mean, they had some seniors, and they also had some guys leave early for the draft. Yeah, they're going to have. I mean, Ross left, but I think the thing about Peterson is, is if he returns a couple key players, and I think Browning being one, he has kind of the succession plan in place and he knows how to maximize that talent. This is like a tailor made. They start in the teens or something. And if they have an early uh, first one, two, three weeks could have upset written all over. If they play a, a team that's ranked above them, it's just, it's kind of the perfect team and perfect setup for him to be under the radar. Who who thought before the season started that they were as loaded as they were with all these seniors. So right. Some of it is, is you just get natural purge and the guy's next man up. Well, they open up with Rutgers, so they should be in good shape there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, they don't actually have the Pac-12 schedule posted yet, but I, I'm pretty sure they're going to USC. And other than Washington, no, they ju- I, they went to USC this year. I they play everybody that, in the Pac-12. No, I thought I thought uh, USC was beat a, them at Washington. Was a, that was? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was an impressive win for USC then. Yeah, so I, I think they're going to L.A., and other than that, I don't know who challenges USC in the Pac-12 at all. Yeah. So our, our boy Luke Falk's coming back. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, Washington State looked awesome in their bowl game. Yeah, real, real good call, guys, saying Washington's going to be the trendy pick. They were just in the playoff, right? So does that make them trendy? Well, everybody's drinking the no. Chris Peterson Kool-Aid right now. He is a good coach, though. you got to give him that. Yeah, well, here, here's what I'm saying is – you head into next season, who's going to be ranked higher? USC is going to be the pick of the Pac-12 by far, and people are going to forget who actually won the Pac-12 this year. Fair enough. That's true. How about that hot take with uh, USC? Hey, we should expand it to eight. Well, USC was nine, guys, so they wouldn't even been in an 18-playoff as well. So <laughs> good call with that. Yeah, I agree there. I, the other trendy pick <clears throat> next year will be, and he, he put a clown face on today or yesterday when he – was quoted with it. Jim Moore Jr. and oh, UCLA oh. will be a trendy pick next year. And I'll, I'll come out and say it. There's no way in hell they're finishing better than Washington next year. No. I got I got to get this quote pulled up now because it's just too shocking to not mention. We tweeted this. Jim Mora said, was quoted as saying, I didn't really talk to anyone that runs a spread. As far as I know, spread teams have never won a national championship. So, okay, let's think about this now for a second. <laughs> Has he ever heard of Urban yeah, Meyer? Yeah, let's do a little mad dog. Hold on now. Let's, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. He, he's never heard of Urban Meyer then? Good Lord. I, I, Urban Meyer, look, you, you don't even have to go back over the past decade, but you, if you want to go back into the 90s, Steve Spurrier, what the hell did they run? Yeah. <laughs> Cam Newton, I mean – Vince Young, what about Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska, they didn't run a spread. Tommy Frazier was ran spread. He, no. he was out all the time on the outside. That was an option team. Option, option. 
Lawrence, Lawrence Phillips was not taking the ball off the option. He was pounding that bitch. <laughs> they ran a triple option, man. It, it was definitely the option. Come on, I'm going to have to pull up some YouTube stuff and get it pulled <laughs> up. You do whatever you want. They had Corey Schlesinger and all them other hosses at the fullback position. Come on, man. Well, if you're talking – okay, so you're talking literally a spread set. I thought you meant spreading the field play-wise. No. No, he, he's basically – I mean, I'm saying three wide receivers, four wide receivers, or, you know, the shotgun set. I think that's what Moore Jr. is saying. He's incredibly naive if, if or stupid, just totally stupid. By, by the way, both teams cheese. playing Monday run spread. Thanks, Jim. How about this? He played the Oregon teams that kicked his ass. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> He's a loser. I, I can't stand that guy. He's never won anything. What has he ever won to be talking like that? You know what he won? He won the gene pool because his dad was a head coach and had a couple sound bites. And got famous. That's what he won. Yeah, that, you're right. You're right. Hey, real quick, while we're talking about coaches, uh, it's becoming uh, widely reported now on Twitter that PJ Fleck is taking the job at Minnesota. So we thought maybe he was staying, and it turns out he was just waiting for another job to open up. Minnesota fires their coach, basically because of the whole boycott scandal and all that that was going down. So he's gone, and P.J. Fleck is apparently going to take the job. Thoughts on this, Shill? I, I think it's a better job than Purdue. I thought that was going to be a dead end if he went there. I'm sure Sean's going to mention this, but we have to pull up the roster, see if you know he's got a couple-year window there to really just propel this into a, a big job. I really thought he could have went straight from Western Michigan to a big job, whether that was lower-tier SEC, uh, decent ACC, or something like that. So. I still think he's settling here, but it's a, it's, it's a lot better than the Purdue situation, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. What I will say, if we think about SEC a little bit, is it smart to be in the middle tier of the SEC as a coach? I mean, you get the initial payday, no doubt. But are you going to be guaranteed to coach? Dan Mullen's on the hot seat. Yeah, it's purgatory. It, I mean, you're in the middle tier. McIlvain's probably on the, on the hot seat next year. Well, so, he definitely is after losing their entire defense. And, and, and you got to think Butch is, right? So, I don't know, man. Did you see that celebration? They are fired up in Knoxville. <laughs> Did I see it? I tweeted it from the account. <laughs> if you're not following the college football uh, or our, our Twitter handle, Monitor, I'll get it to you at some point. I don't know any of that technology shit. But I tweeted from it for that game as well as a few others. Obviously, the Boise-Idaho Bowl was was the uh, the marquee tweet game that I had this ball season, but it, it was just a clown show. We had quite a bit of folks going back and forth with us and we, you know, got some new followers as a result, but, um, using those hashtags show. And, uh, but it was, it was actually interesting. We got some Tennessee folks that are Tennessee fans and were openly disgusted with that celebration from old Butchie. And they treated <laughs> the music city bowl. Like they had won the national title. How far it's, they have fallen. It's a, it's an all timer video. I couldn't stop watching. Farky, any thoughts on P.J. Fleck? I'm a show. I really don't understand. I think he could have held out for a bigger job. So the only the only thought I have on it is maybe maybe his his ex stripper wife had some influence on the decision. I don't know. Drag her up to Minnesota and see if he can keep her off campus. The colder it is, the more clothes she's got to put on. That's true. But they're already in Michigan. The the only thing I'll say is, you know, we talked on the last podcast about how 
he didn't want it might not be smart for him to kind of overstay or overplay his hand at Western Michigan. So you go to a place like Minnesota who does have the budget to you know at least put a, a solid product on the field, but has never had success in football. You win nine, ten games, you know, a couple years there somehow just through you know the luck of the schedule and winning a bowl game, and all of a sudden you might be able to take that next step and, and really get a big job. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I I think he was tapped at Western Michigan. He look at that roster and what it was going to flip over into. I think him going somewhere was critical. I, I don't know enough about the Minnesota. I know that they seemed like in the bowl game they had some youth uh, sprinkled about, and obviously had a lot of guys suspended, so they were playing some of that youth and played pretty well against the Washington State teams. So he has a good year this year. Who knows what the hell happens with Brian Kelly if he keeps doing Brian Kelly things, doesn't get that righted, you know, maybe that job opens uh, up. I don't, so, know. I don't know if I can handle P.J. Fleck at Notre Dame, man. I don't don't know how his wife's going to fit in with the, the Notre Dame yeah, faithful. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I don't know if I could take that. He's that kind trucker. of under, under the radar douchebag. I, I got suckered into that game day segment on him and thought he was he was great. And my brother in law worked with worked with the Buccaneers when he was the receivers coach and said he did some real goofy stuff. Guys were trying to to catch punts during practice and he would spray him in the face with hoses to to try to make him work on catch it. Like how many times do you catch punts with your eyes closed, getting sprayed in the face with water? I don't know. Just I think I think PJ Fleck is tailor made for Arizona State. He just his wife, the whole setup, his whole total aura. He is in Arizona State three years. Probably gets some type of Petrino kicked out of there. It, that's his career over the next five years. Just well, make him a Sun Devil next year. They definitely swing, so that'd be a great spot for him. <laughs> I, I, I love the phrase uh, Farky used there, an under the radar douchebag. I 100 percent agree with that opinion. I did just pull up their roster. They lose one wide receiver. Their biggest losses are on the defensive end. Uh, six defensive starters who were seniors at two, at two at every level. So they'll have Leidner back. He's a redshirt senior. Uh, so most of their offense is back. And then is that, that, that's the quarterback, right, Joe? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mitch Leidner. He, he already said that the no one's going to want to play for the new coach they bring in because he was so pissed at the administration for firing the, the fat ass that they just canned. So who knows? He might be looking to transfer. <laughs> Tracy. <laughs> All right, let's get to the big thing. I got right. a birthday cake to eat. All right, one more topic to, to tackle here, and that's obviously the national championship game. Second year in a row, Clemson, Alabama. I'm just going to get right to it. Farky, I'm going to go uh, left to right on my screen. Farky, your breakdown of this game, what you see is gonna, what you think is going to happen, and, uh, and your angle here. Uh, my, my angle is simple. I think I'm probably going to be maybe a little bit on the uh, minority side of this from the group here, but I, I think Alabama, for the most part, handles them. I, I don't think it's handled in terms of, of winning by number of points. I don't think it's a 17 or 24 point win. I just think they continue to kind of smother their offenses that they play against. I think that Saban's going to finally have somebody he can force to run the ball up and down the field between the tackles. Um, I, I definitely respect the front seven for Clemson, and I think that they can cause some problems for for Hertz. But I don't think he's going to be a real big factor. I did. I actually saw something uh, go across the bottom of the screen here while I've been on the phone, and Hertz completes twenty five percent of his passes under pressure. But 
Uh, again, I, I think it's going to be more of a case of him handing the ball off. So we'll see. I could be wrong, but um, it's kind of a simple take for me. I think Alabama plays it simple and continues to dominate defensively, maybe wins by six or seven. Shelly, current line is six and a half. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, six and a half. It's getting a little juice, so I think it's going to move to seven here soon. But uh, from a betting angle, the only thing I did during the Ohio State second half was keep refreshing my books, waiting for them to post the line. Uh, Bet online posted a six and a half, and five dimes posted an eight and a half. So I just took a little bit on both sides, and I'm probably just going to stay there. I think the uh, the bet to make here is the under, hoping to get 51. It's 50 and a half right now. I just think both these uh, both these defensive fronts are just Probably t- top of the country. Uh, I saw a stat where only three teams in the country have won the sack battle every game this year. Two of them are playing in this game, and the other one's uh, Pitt. I think Scarborough's going to get neutralized here. I mean, he's still probably going to get his. It's going to come down to Watson versus Hurts, and you know, in, in that aspect, I would lean Watson, even though Watson has 17 picks on the year. He's going to throw one, and guess what? If history repeats itself, Bama's going to take one into the house. So, you know, I think it's a real tight game. So if it's around seven, I like Clemson. So since I have a little bit at six and a half, a little bit at eight and a half, I'm probably just going to stay put there and just root for an Alabama seven, eight point win here. But uh, that's kind of where it is from the uh, the betting aspect. If you would uh, bet this game in advance, because you usually can, a lot of the look headlines had Clemson plus ten, which isn't surprising with the way they're you know Clemson's kind of the trendy pick here. I can see why it's down to six and a half with them looking so good against Ohio State and the fact that the ACC went eight and three. Uh, you know, take those wins for what they are. But and and I hate when I hate when people do this during bowl season. But has the ACC looked the best in the bowl games? Maybe. You know, I, I'm not going to read too much into it like most of these analysts will. But uh, I think that's the reason you're surprisingly get a ba- getting Bama under a touchdown here compared to. If you would have bet it a couple weeks ago, you would have got Clemson plus 10. I agree with what you just said. I think it's going to be a really close game. I don't know, like you just kind of mentioned there, I don't know that either team is really going to be able to run the ball. So in that case, I'll take the better quarterback who's more experienced, who played in this game last year, and the best receiver on the field is going to be Mike Williams. So I'm taking the points with Clemson in this game. Sean? I like Clemson money line. I think if you're taking Clemson, just go ahead with the, the full money line. I don't think Clemson's even remotely been the best team this year. I'm not sure that they've been even in the top three consistently over the whole season. They're just kind of rounding into form a little bit. The front seven is playing a lot better. And it's similar to Ohio State. It's one of these goofy-type matchups that they do some things that Old Miss does offensively, and I think that gives Saban and Alabama's defense typically fits. And then on the, their defensive side, their front seven – can attack Alabama if they can stop the run even remotely. I don't see Hurts being able to, to do enough things to, to match up with Watson. I like Clemson to win this and, and Dabo to, to, to win a title. And It wouldn't be great for Florida State because you know, you'd have a program that was already pretty damn strong nationally and it's got quarterbacks out the yin-yang for the next three years recruiting-wise. Um, they start solidifying in other areas. They're going to really build themselves into a juggernaut. I just, I think you can't discount playing in the game last year and losing. How that game went last year, Alabama had no answer no. for Watson. I think he plays a similar type game this year. And like I said, I like Clemson a lot in this. 
of course, I could be dead wrong, and if my season of picking colleges uh, games was any indicative of it, then you know it's probably Alabama in a landslide. But I, I, I felt this way even heading in. If, if Ohio State, I would have loved Alabama, but Clemson's the one team that I don't think Alabama matches all that well up against. Yeah, people look past the fact that Clemson did put up 40 last year in that loss, and Alabama, to me, is not nearly as effective or explosive offensively this year. But, as Sean said, I think a huge factor in the game is that Clemson played in this game last year. They have a lot of guys back who played in this game last year who are chomping at the bit to, just to get another shot at Alabama. That was kind of their whole thing all year was to get back to this game and get a shot at Alabama. So I think it's going to be well, a good three, three pros at receiver. Now, Kane won't come out, but Williams and Scott are, are coming out. Leggett will be in the draft. He's their tight end. And Gallman. they got four pros plus Watson just from the skill. And McLeod and Kane. Don't forget are, about my boy Renfro. Themselves. And Renfro. Yeah. If De- if Clemson does win, I can't imagine what Davo is going to be like on the mic afterwards. Because, oh. man, he was already grandstanding after the semifinal win against Ohio State. He start- The interview started off civil. And then he goes off on a tangent and starts listing off all their accomplishments the last two, three years. Hey, that's great, Davo, but... Maybe save that for after you win a national title. I mean, nobody's going to be able that to That was Dabo away. doing Dabo things, not realizing there's a game to play and you still have the best team in the country to beat. If, if there's, I'm going to be rooting for Alabama just because I can't stand Dabo. I just I, I hate him. He just drives me crazy. That whininess has taken place for years. He's always had this overinflated view of his teams. You know, he said the year that Florida State won the national title and beat them by like forty at their place. That a couple breaks here or there, and they feel like they were the better team. Like he said that after the game, and it's just infuriated Florida State fans and just any rational human being would be upset with it. Well, if he wins a national title at Clemson from where they were, you know, eight ten years ago, it's pretty impressive. Nobody's gonna be able to take that away from him, but. Man, he's kind of unbearable when they're successful. Were there any prop bets on this game that were posted yet? Uh, they started posting some, but they're real. They're the real generic ones. You know, will it be overtime? What's the longest touchdown going to be? So there's no. Uh, I'm really looking at player props. Uh, Mike Williams is one I really like uh, for the over. And I think it all depends where the numbers are because everyone's screaming defense, defense. Jalen Hurts has looked awful, so I'm actually going to be looking to go against you know, the public on some of these prop bets where I might be taking a Jalen Hurts over. Watson has 17 picks on the year, as I mentioned before. So I think it's a lot of him just trying to play from the pocket, maybe trying to impress scouts, but he's going to try to win this game. So if there's a Deshaun Watson rushing prop uh, over yardage, I really like him to take off a lot in this game. Just, you know, just trying to win. He doesn't really care about his draft stock, trying to get that national title. So those are kind of some of the props I'll be looking at. Obviously, I'll tweet some of those out once I get them, and I'm sure you'll retweet those, Monitor. But as of right now, there's there's just a couple team props out there right now. Will there be a prop on Nick Saban's snaps on the sideline? Probably not, but uh, this isn't the Super Bowl where you can bet a bunch of fun stuff, Gatorade color, that kind of stuff, or over-under on the national anthem. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a couple key ones here and there. You other two yeah, guys Saban and- being pissy at the end of the game is off the board, regardless win or lose. Right. Uh, side note, guys, any any shot if, if after this game? And, Sean, this is probably a question for you since you're kind of plugged into the NFL and college kind of together there. Any shot Saban looks for an NFL job after this game? Maybe, you know, the Colts just kind of 
throw Chuck Pagano to the curb and, and throw some money at Saban to come be their coach. I, I can't imagine. I, who knows with Saban, but I, I would be hard-pressed to think at this stage. You know, if he were to probably target anything, it might be New Orleans. That way he could still keep, you know, the home and everything else down there. But I'd be surprised. I think that ship has sailed. I think it's just more of a matter of is he five more years? Is he eight more years? You know, how much more is, is he going to go through? And how many more times are we going to see out him in the playoff over the course of that? Yeah. Is, this is – as close to a dynasty as you can have, and in this day and age, uh, it's not I close to stack it up there with anything. Yeah, it's not close to a dynasty. It is one, and he's sixty-five, by the way. He doesn't look it, but he—he's older than people think. My only thing is, what else does he have to prove at Alabama? You know, if he wants to prove everybody wrong and make the step, but I was going to make that point, Matt. That he's sixty-five. I mean, do you really want to go to the NFL? And by the time you turn some team around, you know, you're about seventy or so. I mean, obviously in the NFL. It's pretty easy to turn someone around. Uh, and he's a CEO right now, too. He, yeah. He's got, we've talked this at, at length, he's got 20 coaches on staff, maybe 23 or 24. He, he's doing kind of the the necessary things, but he's not doing the grunt work anymore. He doesn't have to. It's like it's like Eddie Robinson at Grambling. Yeah, he, he doesn't have to do the grunt work because he's got Lane Sarkeesian on staff. Yeah, there you go. Jay, you're, in, you're a Tampa resident. The game's in Tampa. What are you doing for the game? Going to probably hit up the pregame tailgate up at the stadium and then um, work our way back down towards downtown and, and find just probably, uh, well, there probably won't be anywhere simple to watch the game, but my dad's coming in town. So we'll, we'll try to find some probably a little corner spot that we can get into easily, out of easily, and watch the game. Uh, there's a ton of events going on. Looking forward to trying to hit media day up on Saturday. It's, it's a free event. You can get into uh, Fan Central across the street at the convention center if you attend media day. So... Um, a lot of stuff going on. Pretty cool time to be down here. Bummer Buckeyes aren't here. Need to wear the, the Glory Pod t-shirt. Rep it. Yep. I went, to, I went to the Bahamas during spring break. Clemson co-ads are unreal. So try to pick yourself off a winner there, Farky. <laughs> yeah. Do what I can. There you go. There you go. I can't top that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at NEGPodCFB. Check out our uh, baseball podcast that just dropped uh, earlier this week as well, at NEG Pod MLB. A lot of good stuff there about the Indians, if you're a Tribe fan, which you should be, uh, and then about MLB in general. And we'll have more of those coming your way here in about a month or so as we get closer to spring training and then the season. And also, obviously, follow Luke and Jerry at Glory Podcast and check out their uh, NFL stuff. And um, they're going to be having some good stuff coming your way for the off seasons as well. I know he's gearing up for the draft, and Sean will be a, a big part of that too. So check out those guys as well. That'll do it for us, for Farky, Shill, and Sean Z. This is Moner signing off. I hope you have a great weekend and enjoy the game on Monday. Enjoy it. Get some Buckeye vodka. Are we going to do one more after this game? Yeah, we can jump on. Yeah, we'll probably do a, a, quick, a quick recap of the national title game and then just a, a quick snapshot into next year uh, sometime next week after this game is over. So enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you later. Roll Tide!